Today on Ag News Daily. And that wheat stem supply has been a significant pest. Noticeably in the last 10 years, it's been a pest in Colorado for quite some time, uh, stemming back into the late 1800s. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored by HTS Ag. My name is Delaney Howell, back in the state of Iowa, back in God's country, after my trip last week in Washington, D.C., and I am joined by Madison Honkamp. Madison, that was quite some game this weekend for Iowa State and UNI, wasn't it? Yeah, it was not what anybody was really expecting, um, I think we kind of went into it thinking we would mm. get an easy win. Yes. So, I'm thinking but this week's our bye right. week. So. Yeah. Yes, and then next week it's Iowa, Iowa State. I'm excited. I'm an, I'm an Iowa fan, so I'm going to be cheering for Iowa Hawkeyes. But I know we've got a lot of Iowa State listeners, or yes. Iowa State fans that are listeners. So, Yes, we definitely do. But the exciting thing now is we're in football season. The fall fall is right around the corner. Harvest time is almost here. Starting to cool off. I like it. Yes, it definitely is. Even today on campus, all you could tell all the leaves are kind of start, are starting to change a little bit. They're starting to drop. So, and it's get well, today wasn't cooler, but it's been getting cooler, so. Absolutely. And one reason or uh, one uh, issue that we see when the weather is kind of still iffy if it's going to be warm or cold is mm-hmm. Tornado season, but also hurricane season. We are likely to see Hurricane Dorian hit sometime in Florida today or tomorrow. And we've seen Florida declare a state of emergency for sanitizing dairy equipment for storage of transport, storage and transport of milk in response to the storm. And North Carolina. Their governor has lifted a requirement to weigh vehicles transporting livestock, but uh, those two states in particular, as well as South Carolina and Georgia, are in areas of emergency and are preparing for the after effects or the effects here of Hurricane Dorian. So let's keep those people in our thoughts and prayers. Yes, definitely. And I really hope that it doesn't come anywhere near to the hurricanes we've been, we've seen recently, really. Absolutely. That would be detrimental, especially that part of the uh, country is huge and into actually Florida is a pretty big cattle state, too. So could be getting pretty hairy, big dairy state over there. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, what else do you have for news for today, Madison? Well, I do have a little bit of better news kind of coming from the Japan trade deal. I know last week. Um, kind of talk, touched on it about how at the G summit, G7 summit in France, um, they did announce that there was an agreement in principle, not quite there yet, but obviously it is in the works. And hopefully this can be a big win for pork producers, beef producers. Um, I know a lot of corn can be sent over, uh, was talked about being sent over to Japan. And I, and then also, um, we're really hoping to get beef, dairy, wine, and ethanol within that agreement. Yes, absolutely. And I've got a little bit of news to go along right with that, mm-hmm. Madison. It seems like President Trump and Shinzo Abe have both said that they're expecting to sign that deal around the meetings of the United Nations General Assembly, which happens next month in New York. 
They've apparently asked aides on both sides to ne- to accelerate negotiations and finish it literally on paper. Um, and as you said, there all of those indices, yes, are going to be hugely, hopefully, affected in a positive way. It also sounds like, according to U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, the preliminary agreement is said to be threefold, which will address industrial tariffs, agricultural, and digital trade. So that'll be interesting to see really what unrolls with those three pieces of the trade deal. Yes, definitely. And I think next month just seems very fast. Yes, for it's already September. I know. Yeah. Right. Crazy and me. so hopefully it doesn't get pushed back, like obviously the deal with China has and almost every other thing that we've had yes. go through. It might give us a little, little positive sentiment heading into harvest season, though, if we did see that trade negotiation trade deal wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, in other news, I don't really have any more trade news, Delaney. But last week, actually, on Thursday, a coalition was formed, and it's called the Alliance for Meat, Poultry, and Seafood Innovation. And this is actually a coalition for food tech startups, including Memphis Meats, Just, and Fork and Good, which are all cell-based meat products. And this also does include the blue Nalu and the Finless Foods um, for cell-based seafood products. So we're going to see a lot more of this cell-based meat, cell-based seafood coming into light. And I know one thing that they're really trying to touch on is labeling and how to market their products. You said, Did you say one of their names was... Forking fun. Fork and good or good. I'm not sure how. Oh, it's a, okay. It's good with it on the end. So I'm not sure how to go about that one. Okay. Never mind. It came off the tongue a little differently there when I heard you okay. say it the first time. <laughs> yes. But it seems like they are getting things moving and shaking on that end. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see how that all plays out there, the meatless meat industry, but uh, we're definitely at the forefront of it here. Yes, and um, also I think this will kind of maybe not include plant-based products. Mm. I don't think so. It's more just labeling and marketing how they're going to go about all of that. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Madison, the last piece of news I really have for today before we check out the markets and our interview is, I guess, moving it back to trade, loosely related to trade here, but we, of course, know that the new edition of market facilitation programs are out. Producers can get those. I haven't heard really, talked to a couple producers who've said they've applied and haven't received any checks yet, but, of course, you can go sign up with your FSA offices. But USDA projected on Friday that net farm income for 2019 would reach $88 billion, which is a 5% increase over this time last year. But it seems like that 5% increase doesn't really improve farm economy all that much. It is expected that USDA is going to pay out about $19.5 billion in direct subsidies to farmers which does not include crop insurance. And that's it. that's basically totaling up the trade relief payments as well as the disaster aid and then some other 
traditional farm bill programs are going to be the sum of that $19.5 billion. But it seems that the median farm income for the average American farmer is expected to be a loss of $1,600, just over $1,600. So we're seeing farm debt continue to rise. We're seeing, of course, as I mentioned there, the income is expected as a whole to rise for farm economy. But individually, it doesn't look like farmers are going to be any much more ahead than they were really at last this year last time. Yeah, definitely. And I kind of want to know how they calculate those. Um, I do too. Like those numbers, because if they're saying income's rising, how is the medium, median falling? And how is every farmer really falling? I don't know. Mm, yep, I'm not sure either. I think, I don't know. And, and as some people say, you know, USDA, how they can, po- how can they possibly forecast that stuff? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not for sure. But uh, that's yeah. what they're projecting right now. So maybe, maybe I'll just have to ask my econ professor. That would be a good knows. one. There you go. <laughs> but Madison, I'm all out of news. Do you have anything else for today? I am all out, Delaney. All right. Well, looking across the screen today, lots of red. Starting in the September corn contract, finished down eight and a quarter cents at three forty nine and three quarters. The December lost eight and three quarters cents to close at three sixty one even. In the soybean pits, not quite as much of a loser here with the September contract closing down a half a cent to end at eight fifty six and a half. November new crop down a half a cent as well to close at eight sixty eight and a half. In the wheat pits, the September contract closed down four cents to close at four forty-seven and a quarter. December cut nine cents today to close at four fifty-three and a half. Looking over into the livestock pits, green across the screen, starting out here with the October live cattle contract, put on thirty-five cents to close at ninety-nine twenty-seven and a half. The December adding sixty-five cents to close at one hundred four thirty-two. In the feeder cattle pits, the September contract up $1.75 to close at $134.15. The October added $1.30 to put on $132.10 to end the day. In the lean hog contract, the October front month contract $3 up to close at $66.52, while the December contract put on $2.45 to end at $65.82 and a half. And rounding out our markets with the dairy class 3 milk futures, the August contract was unchanged today at 1761. Let's kick that one out. That should have been rolled out, but the September is also up just 10 cents today to close at 1772. Now, uh, Madison, let's kick it over to HTS Ag before we hear from today's interview. Well, of course, today is Tech Tuesday, and it is sponsored by our partners over at HTS Ag. To share a little bit more about HTS Ag and some of the projects they're working on, I've got Adam Gittins, who is the general manager. And Adam, this year was quite the unusual planting year. We had a lot of inclement weather. Now we're looking at the crops, and they're looking very varied. How does HTS Ag help with some of those problems that producers have been facing this year? Delaney, one of the tools in our toolbox is an active hydraulic downforce system. Now, what this can do in a challenging year is help overcome some of those challenges, whether it be 
uh, compacted soils, wet soils, whatever the challenge may be, being able to measure and adjust to place the correct amount of downforce on each row at the given time throughout the field, whether you're going from tilled ground to no-till ground, whether you're going from different soil types, whatever that challenge may be, we can take 200 readings per second and adjust that on the go to always maintain the right depth and not over-apply downforce causing excessive compaction. This has been proven year after year to give a more even stand and give the crop a much better start. Well, producers certainly are facing inclement weather and have been and conti will continue to face that. Folks, for more information about the hydraulic downforce and how you can use it in your operation, head to www.htsag.com. Well, for today's interview, we've got Brian Almer, who is a fellow farm broadcaster out there in Colorado area, chatting with Tyler Benninghoven about Colorado's wheat seed, which is also known as the Plains Gold Wheat Varieties and some of their new technology coming out for wheat producers this year. For those that don't know you, give us a little background about yourself and what led you to Cobbler Wheat. Yeah, so uh, just to recap, I grew up in northern Colorado um, and went to CSU, got a degree in, in soil and crop science, and always grew up kind of around agriculture with a passion to work in agriculture with farmers. Um, got married out of college and moved to Montana, and I worked in the ag retail business up in Montana for about seven years. Um working with sugar beet farmers and wheat farmers and um, anything you can think of about they, they grew it. Um, so really got a diverse uh, exposure to crop production up in Montana. And uh, uh, long story short, a couple things drew drew me and my family back to Colorado and landed at Colorado Wheat um, working with Plains Gold, um, managing the Plains Gold brand. And uh, I've just really enjoyed my time here and We've got a great group in this office here and um, a great group of seed producers, and um, I just, I've had a blast doing it. So, Tell our listeners more about Codrill Wheat and what its purpose and mission is, and then give us an idea of what the relationship is with Plains Gold. So with Colorado Wheat, you know, um, you know, we, there's an assessment within the state for, for bushels sold of wheat, um, and, and we, we manage that. Uh, assessment going back to research, um, you know, investing in uh, CSU's wheat breeding program. Along with that goes the Plains Gold brand and the royalties collected from uh, varieties sold throughout the state and then beyond our state into uh, places like the Panhandle of Nebraska and western Kansas and um, even up into Montana in some cases. So um, that Plains Gold side... Um, you know, I, my title is seed and trade specialist. Essentially what, what I'm doing there is, um, you know, providing the seed producer and the farmer a more in-depth understanding um, about the genetics that are released from Colorado State um, through the CWRF Foundation. Uh, the, and uh, so providing technical knowledge, um, support, um, we have quite a few new traits. Um, hitting the market, so making sure that farmers are using these tools properly. Um, and then on top of the wheat, you know, varieties and 
and technical background. I provide agronomic support. Like I said, I spent seven years in ag retail working with uh, crop protection and fertility and general crop management, farm management, that type of thing. So I'm trying to bring a kind of a holistic approach to, to the wheat industry and the wheat farmer. The 2019 Cobb Winter Winter Wheat Harvest has wrapped up, although later than past years, by several weeks. I think this year was exceptional for Colorado yield. You know, we had a long grain fill period, relatively gentle spring. We had a few late frost snow event in May that, that damaged some of the early maturing varieties. Uh, but um, overall, I think the consensus with, with yield was probably some of the best yield that some farmers have seen. I know south of I-70, in a lot of areas, they've had field averages that they've never seen before, you know, in that 80 to 100 bushel range, even even higher in some cases. So I think overall, agronomically, the farmer is thrilled at what they're getting on the farm. You know, if, if the market matched that, they would be super happy. But, but overall, I think yields have just been great across the state into western Kansas and, and other areas that we market grain. And Tyler, uh, Plains Gold uh, just marketed two new wheat varieties for 2019 that are designed to defend against common and emerging pests of wheat. What are those two new Plains Gold varieties? Well, two new varieties. The first is uh, called Fortify SF. That SF stands for soft lye. Um, You'll continue to see that in releases, I think, uh, from Plains Gold. Um, And that wheat sim soft lye has been a significant pest. Noticeably, in the last 10 years, it's been a pest in Colorado for quite some time, uh, stemming back into the late 1800s. But, uh, you know, in recent decades, we're seeing it infest our wheat fields more and more. And this year was probably one of the worst years that we've seen. Um, So one of the tools, not the tool, but one of the tools to combat that is to increase the solidness of your wheat um, or the wheat stem. And so uh, Scott Haley with um, the CSU Wheat Breeding Program has brought some traits in from from uh, solid stem wheat and uh, and caress them with the bird background to increase that solidness in the stem so that when that wheat stem soft light lays her eggs and the larva feed on that stem, on the inside of that stem, uh, they have more material to work through and uh, what that does is it slows them down, um, and it also increases mortality in some cases um, so that farmers can actually harvest their wheat and it's not laying flat on the ground. Before you move on, Tyler, go through that parentage one more time about Fortify SF. Yeah, so it's a bear paw bird uh, cross. Bear paw is a Montana solid stem, and uh, you all know bird. Um, so... Again, crossing the yield potential, the drought tolerance of bird with a solid stem from Montana. And the reason we're doing that, uh, one of the reasons is when we bring those solid stems from Montana, um, you know, and the reason we're bringing genetics from Montana is they've been fighting the soft, soft lie for quite some time and um, have developed solid stem weeds that work up there. But when we bring them down to the Colorado environment, um, Typically, we're seeing a pretty significant yield loss, you know, 20, 30, 40% yield loss. Um, those, those genetics, those varieties just are not suited for our, for our climate, for our environment down here. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just want to make sure no, that uh, I, we went through the parentage real quick again. And then it's only going to be marketed as a certified seed only, right? Correct. 
Yeah, okay. so farmers will not be able to save their own feed. And, and part of the reason we want to do that, when we introduce these traits into the market, and specifically like a soft lie trait, uh, we need to maintain uh, uh, the purity of those varieties. And you can imagine after multiple years of saving seed, um, those seed lots can become less pure. Um, and we just we don't want to uh, get in the situation where we have uh, inadequate control or inadequate defense against that wheat stem soft lie uh, from the variety that we bred. So. Okay. Maintaining the purity of that variety is, is, is very important. And the same can be said about the second variety too, right, which is? Correct. Yeah, the name of that variety is Guardian, um, and that that variety, again, carries two traits for wheat streak mosaic resistance, one being the wheat chromite resistance gene, um, you know, seen in varieties like Bird um, and uh, Langan, uh, quite a few of our uh, conventional hard red varieties carry that wheat chromite gene, but also Scott Haley has bred in the WSM2 gene, which actually resists the virus, the wheat streak mosaic virus itself. So, you know, there's two levels of defense within this variety built in. And again, requiring certified seed only and, and, and you know, requiring that you do not save your seed ensures that the purity of that seed, when you come to purchase, um, you know, fresh seed, fresh certified seed every year. You can you can be confident that that those two genes are in that that wheat variety. Tyler, what's the parentage on Guardian? And also talk about the trait characteristics of both Guardian and Fortify SF, like grain protein content, test weight, milling and baking characteristics, and so on. Guardian, I'll start with Guardian. Um, going back to its pedigree, um, it's Antero Snowmass bird. So again, it's a bird background. You know, exact percentages of Antero and Snowmass, I don't know. Probably a quarter Snowmass, quarter Antero, and a half bird. You know, I don't know if that tells you much. But overall, you know, on top of the wheat streak resistance, uh, Guardian has exceptional test weight and protein. Um, you know, on a, on a ranking, if you were to rank it, give it a number, on a one to nine scale, the protein that Scott has given it is a one, which is exceptional. If you think back to Brawl, you know, Brawl is another variety that has exceptional protein deviation or tendency to uh, maintain its protein. And then test weight, he ranks it as a two. So, you know, very high quality wheat. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, on top of the wheat streak mosaic resistance, um, it has very good stripe rust and leaf rust and stem rust resistance. Uh, probably some of the best in the industry. And I would say um, having the wheat streak mosaic resistance, two genes of resistance, and then resistance to stripe rust, leaf rust, and, and stem rust, it's, it's probably the most defensive, uh, high-performing variety that Plains Gold has ever put into the market. So I see it as a very defensive variety, but also it has very good yield potential. If you look at the two- and three-year uh, statistics on variety performance, um, you know, done through the, the crop testing uh, program that um, Jerry puts on. Um, Guardian is up there, you know, within striking distance of some of the highest yielding wheats that we see in Colorado. It's got good yield potential, and it's got a very good defensive package. And Fortify SF, where does it stack up as far as the height, the maturity, 
and uh, protein content, test weight, and milling and baking characteristics. Fortify, I think, you know, a little bit taller. Um, you know, it, you would think, okay, it's a semi-solid wheat, so it has increased solidness. It's going to have better straw strength. But when we talk about straw strength and lodging compared to resistance to the wheat stem soft lie, we're talking about two very different things. Um, you know, some varieties can be solid, but, um, you know, at higher yield environments, if we're talking 80 to 100 bushel yield environment, they can still um, have a tendency to uh, lodge in some circumstances. So, you know, uh, Fortify SF is kind of like that. It, it is going to defend against the soft lie, you know, with the increased pith inside the stem, but the straw strength on it when you're thinking of lodging in, say, an irrigated environment or a high-moisture environment, um, you might risk um, lodging in some areas. But you going back to the wheat streak mosaic virus, it does carry that uh, wheat chromite um, uh, gene from bird. Um, so it's going to have some resistance to wheat streak mosaic. Um, you know, the scoring, the rankings that Scott has been able to do is, is um, he's ranked it as a two. So, again, it's going to be a great uh, wheat streak resistant variety on the rust not so strong, um, susceptible to uh, striped leaf and stem. So it's, it's going to be a wheat that you're probably going to have to spray with a fungicide in a high-moisture environment. Um, and test weight protein um, is probably middle of the road, but, you know, end use quality is very good. So I, I think, you know, number one, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help solve the, the issue at hand with, with the uh, wheat stem soft life. End use quality is going to be good, so millers and bakers are going to be, um, you know, wanting it. You know, it's going to be an acceptable grain on the on the back end as well. Once again, Fortify SF and Guardian, they'll only be marketed as certified seed this year, meaning farmers will not be able to purchase it this year, but they'll get the seed next year if they choose. Now, Tyler, what Plains Gold varieties are available right now for wheat producers this fall? We've got a, a wide range of varieties. Um, Probably too many to go in, into too much depth uh, today, but we've got uh, varieties that are early maturing, like Langan. Um, you know, we we, uh, we have the coaxium wheat production system, and we've got two varieties um, carrying that uh, trait, uh, one being Incline AX, which is a little bit later variety, and then we have Crescent AX, which is a little bit earlier variety. Other varieties that we have on the market um, that are widely available are like you mentioned, Langan, which is kind of a racehorse variety that we've seen in Colorado and then uh, into Kansas. Um, it, it's growing in popularity. Um, I would guess that we probably see it surpass the bird acres in the state this year. Um, it just seems to be a, a very, uh, very aggressive, very high-yielding variety, and it has very good quality as well. Um, stripe rust resistance and curl mite resistance from, from birds. So... Um, other varieties on the market would be uh, Whistler and Canvas. Those were releases last year. Um, so, again, this year would be its registered year, and there may be some certified seed available this year that, that seed growers have decided to downgrade. Um, both varieties are, are very strong with the rust pathogens, um, very good end-use quality. Uh, Canvas being a little bit shorter in stature, Whistler being a little bit taller, uh, Whistler is um, later in maturity, probably uh, 
one of the latest varieties that we've released. So when you're thinking of purchasing varieties, um, I would encourage the wheat farmer to diversify in maturity, you know, diversify in the traits that you're considering to purchase within those wheat. Make sure that you don't just have one wheat across your entire farm um, because, you know, we, like we saw this year, there could be frost, uh, late frost that, that uh, hurts those early maturing varieties. Um, there could be long grain fill periods that those later varieties take advantage of. Um, so it, it is good to, to diversify. So Once again, huge thanks to my guest, Tyler Benninghoven, the seed trade specialist for Cobbler Wheat. Don't forget, Winter Wheat Farmers, you can find more information about Plains Gold, including a list of all seed growers online at plainsgold.com, or you can contact the Plains Gold office toll-free at 1-800-WHEAT-10 or by calling 970-449-6994. All right, well, again, that was Tyler Benninghoven there with Brian Almer of the barn was the uh, original program that aired on there, but still good stuff. We don't often get to talk about wheat production here on the podcast, but I think it's interesting to also include that occasionally. Yes, it is. We definitely have a few wheat producers listening, so it's always nice to kind of include that as well. Absolutely. Madison, what's going on our social media these days? I know you've got things moving and shaking over there. Anything our listeners should be aware of? Well, Delaney, our listeners can always share their photos with us and kind of stay updated, not only on the podcast, but kind of what's going on in the industry and what others are doing within the industry, because we do like to share others' pictures and see what's going on around not just the United States, but the country as a whole, or the world as a whole, excuse me. Um, But they can also always find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ag News Daily. And then if they want to get caught up on, on podcast episodes, they can find us at our website at globalagnetwork.com slash agnewsdaily. And they can also find an abundance of other ag podcast articles and videos over there. All right, Madison, couldn't have said it better myself. With that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.